Today is day 19 of the special series on the future of faith, which is a series under retail religion, where we consider ideas that center on, from, and around religion, spirituality, and consciousness. Today, my guest will is um, Mr. Valentine Ozigo. He is um, a former MD of Transcore International Corporation. Uh, before that, he was the MD of Transcore Hotels, uh, a former British Chevening scholar, and um, former chairman of Unusual Praise, which is one of the continent's biggest, if not the second biggest, uh, gospel concert. And I did want to talk to him based on what I saw at the concert last year about the intersection of faith, nation building, and what Christians often call the marketplace. Thank you for joining us. Um, for those of you who have been here every single day for the past 19 days, this rounds up on Monday. I've been excited to be presenting this series. Don't forget, uh, from time to time, I look at the comments and I try, I don't often take questions, but I try to see things that amplify the conversation, perspectives that push the conversation forward. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Great to see you, sir. Pleasure today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. Bless God. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Um, I mean, I guess we'll go right into it. Um, but I want to start from something. I watched the live between you and my Egbon, um, Chidele Momodu, last week, I think, yeah. and there was live praise and worship. <laughs> I, I was thrilled, by the way. I, I loved it. I loved yes. it. Yes. Yeah, it's right. Is there, so let me start with that. I mean, you have reached the top echelon, certainly, of corporate Nigeria. You know, you've worked closely. You are a veteran of the banking industry. I think your tour of duty in Transcorp makes people forget that. You know, when it comes to banking, you've been, you've been there, you've done that. How do you manage integrating being in the corporate space constantly with, being, with, with your faith, with being vocal about your faith, with being open about your faith, with being that prominent with your faith? How does that, how does that work? I mean, so for instance, do people, so, people see you on an Instagram live like that and say, okay, no, 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 I'm not going to work with him because, you know, he's carrying it on his head. <laughs> it's actually a very interesting question, Chile. You know, um, for me, this life mm. is all about balancing. It's, if you mm. ask me, one of the single most important an index of measuring success, uh, one of the most important indices, mm -hmm. I would actually say mm -hmm. balancing. Your ability to balance things. And it cuts across all manner of issues from you know, work-life balance to, um, in fact, heaven and earth. You need to balance what mm -hmm. you do because once you shift in a disproportionate form to one side, mm -hmm you mm. deprive the other. And, mm. and so mm. for me, um, I haven't gotten to you know, the peak uh, of uh, the corporate uh, ladder. Uh, there's always need to make sure I don't forget who I am. 
mm. where I started from, and what is critical, what is a priority. Because at the end of the day, what is actually most important is, number one, the legacy you leave behind. And number mm. two, the fact that there is heaven that we're all targeting, pursuing. And these are the two most important. There's nothing else. Everything mm. is what we call Jara. So even the corporate mm. whatever is Jara. So mm. once we understand this, um, mm. you will figure out how best to do the balancing yourself because there's mm. no mm. one formula that fits all. Fantastic. I'm going to ask you a difficult, a, well, not, maybe not difficult, but an unfair question because I'm asking take, you to take speak it easy, for take a lot it of me, <laughs> People would say that, you know, Nigeria's corporate space is defined by people who are who are people of faith? Who are people of religion? I mean, not a lot of them are vocal or open with it, but we will assume that many of them are people of faith. And yet, um, if we look at if you look at the activities of certain government institutions, whether it's Amcon or anyone, it looks like we have not we have not built uh, uh, an above. Some people would say we've not built an above board corporate environment despite the religiosity yeah. or that even the values of christianity and islam which is of kindness and of charity and of all of those things uh have not manifested in nigerian society um income inequality in nigeria is high yeah. gini coefficient much higher than many countries especially for a country this poor so it's a different matter if if you're in a rich country where there's a safety net there's social security there's access to basic facilities so that you don't necessarily have to worry about whether somebody is far richer than you because the government takes care of you, um, the workplace takes care of your health insurance, takes care of your you know, pension benefits and all of that. So essentially the question is, it doesn't appear like the values of these major religions reflect in our economy and our corporate spaces. What do you think the missing link is? Or do you disagree with the premise of that question in the first place? Wow, <laughs> you did warn me that this is a tough question. And uh, uh, I have to say that even for me talking to you, sometimes mm. I actually contend with that question. Mm. Mm. What is the you know, place of faith, mm. church, and other religious you know, bodies in our society? Yeah. How come Nigeria is the most religious you can find? Mm. but we're the poorest we can find at the same time. How come um, I think about countries that don't even understand and know Jesus Christ mm. and are thriving mm. well and are doing so mm. well? So how mm. then do you demonstrate to a non-believer that this actually makes sense, everything that we do? Mm. And it gets even worse. It gets even worse when you start to see the numbers. Uh, I was reading something about the number of religious institutions in a place mm. like Kano. Right. And you count the number of amajeries roaming the streets. Mm. And you start to wonder. In fact, I was almost tempted to think maybe we should consider not closing the religious institutions, but mm. shifting their model so that mm. if they can cater for these amajeries, for me, that is spirituality alive. That's in practice. And so the relevance of church in our life today, we need to question. 
And of course, we know the importance. We know the need to keep our faith alive. We know the need to, mm-hmm. and I can also, I'll come to a lot of things the church has done that yeah. uh, without which we probably would have been far worse than where we are today. Yes. In fact, let, let me tell you this analogy. It's a joke that um, uh, a reverend father told, uh, told me when I was in, um, in Abuja. I was attending one of, uh, I think, well, it must be the Life in the Spirit seminar we were doing. And mm-hmm. he said to me, there was this man who everybody was complaining about. Mm-hmm. And people actually would come to the priest. Why mm-hmm. do you allow this man in the church? Why? He, and whenever he comes, he will still sit in front and we go for Holy Communion. But we know him as this, as that, as whatever. Mm-hmm. All the bad names you can think of. And the priest turns to them and said, so this man is all this with coming to church. Can you imagine what he will become if he doesn't even come to church at all? And everybody <laughs> shut up their mouth. So the reality is, unfortunately, at the leadership and political side, we've messed it up. And so we're bringing that mess into, as though the church should have been solving those problems. We need to fix our problems. So when you have time for us to discuss leadership issues and political Mm -hmm. issues, we can go into that. Right. So the reality is... Mm Uh, unfortunately, they go hand in hand because when you have a bad economy and people are poor um, and you expect the miracle and magic to happen from church, it's not going to happen. So we have to be able to create that right environment where the two can stay side by side and and not one taking the place of the other, but rather one complementing the other and together we get to where we need to be. So that's the issue. Uh, But that said, there are also a lot of, you know, things I believe that we need to check, put in check, especially for ministers of God, the things that they need to do to show more selflessness in what they do, to show more piety, more, you know, introspection and, and love and care, rather than in some cases selfishness that we see. And they abound, the number of examples abound. And so I want to see um, where we don't have to ask not to talk of finding this a difficult question. Uh, let's mm. find where we can actually demonstrably show what a church mm. is doing in the society. Because mm. when you think about the past, honestly, uh, a lot of us wouldn't be educated today if not for the church. We would have even died because of healthcare, uh, because mm. the church intervened. It's actually a major force for good. And so mm. you can't take it away. And and I'm sure also the not just the church, but also the uh, on the on the religious other relig- religions uh, we have. The the they all play their parts, but we can yeah. do more uh, so that we don't have. Uh, it's an uh, anomaly to have more churches and more mosques than factories and industries and SMEs. It's an anomaly, so we need right. to create the right balance. Again, going back to the point I made about balance, we need to create mm-hmm. the right balance right fantastic i mean I, I wanted to talk about because i i have a lot of you know i was i was at an unusual place last year and i have a lot of questions oh you were but, there, oh yes i was <laughs> i'll tell you that story i'll tell you that story uh, but 
Um, but this something strikes me from this, especially, and this is a thought that I have never really considered. The idea is, it's not, it's not the church's responsibility to build a functioning society. So, you know, we need to identify where the rain began to beat us, like Achebe has written, you know, and that is governance and leadership. Now, if anything, religious, religious institutions have helped to ameliorate some of the failures. That's correct. I had a Reverend Father Oloma um, um, here yesterday. I was blown away by, you know, the session. And he made the same point. The church can help, but we have to demand better governance. We have to demand it from the people whose jobs it is to deliver service. I have three questions in one. I remind you of them. So first, how do, how do we solve this leadership question? Two, it looks like there is something in Nigerian political leadership that swallows, you know, moral clarity. People say, people get into whatever level of power, it's very difficult for them to, to retain their clarity that they had before they came in. So, you know, is this not a dangerous thing for a problem you just identified? That's number two. Number three, if religion is supposed to be a moderating or directing influence, then it's, does, isn't that a failure of religion to not be able to moderate the behavior of Nigerian public servants? Um, thank you. So let me start with the number one, which is the seeming failure of leadership yes. and um, why we always get it wrong. Yes. I, and um, I had an interaction yesterday with some journalists and similar question was posed to, right. to me. Um, and the point here is we have to look at the entirety of the cycle. And the beginning is how do we recruit leaders? If you just like, just imagine any company you want to set up. I mean, you've, you've, you've done that. Or, how do you, it starts from recruitment. That's number mm. one, that's starting point. How do we recruit the leaders? When we go out there to vote, what is on our mm. mind? Mm. Do we just mm. get easily deceived? Do mm. our best even emerge? Mm. Do they mm. even show up at all? Mm. Or have they given up? Oh, it's for those guys. I can't, I can't get into the murky waters of politics. And we abscond and you blame. And that's, mm. that's the cycle we go through. Mm. Because we have also not been able to clarify certain things and make it possible easily for the best to emerge. And so a lot of changes are required and can go into the electoral process and electoral issues and laws mm -hmm. and all of that. But mm -hmm. if you have to spend billions of naira to get elected, mm -hmm. there's already a burden mm -hmm. out there. Who is that person who has really, you know, gone through the labor of saving and investing and, you know, getting to a level that he has paid this money and he wants to go and gamble it on politics. Apart from those who understand what gambling is, which is, mm. those are the people we have mostly in our, in our game. Mm. Mm. So if 
you don't make it you know so easy for the meaning anybody provided it is about competency is about your capacity uh, capability your readiness it, these are the reasons people win elections our best will begin to emerge until mm -hmm. then it require people who you know are very courageous it requires mm -hmm. so much courage to abandon private sector thriving business and say let me jump into politics and not a lot of people want to do that that's the truth so I want to emphasize this need, uh, and I hope there's a way we can get it right. Mm -hmm. When we sit back and we're comparing countries and we're talking about mm -hmm. China, if you mm -hmm. have an idea, their recruitment process, how it's impossible for an incompetent person to emerge as the president of China. It's impossible. Yes. Yeah. And this is not about how much you pray, how much you mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. It's about the process that's been laid down. And how mm -hmm. you would have been tested, proving yourself, mm -hmm. and you have track records. But in Nigeria, what do we see? It's simply, you know, people who either voting based on ethnicity, based on religion, mm -hmm. based on... These are irrelevant, completely. I don't want to use some words here because it can be very painful. It can be very, very painful. Mm -hmm. And in the end, we become victims. And then we we'll go back and start criticizing Nigeria has done it. Meanwhile, we all played a part in that recruitment mm. process. Yes. So, yes. so that we go into the other discussions, summary mm. of it all is that we need to recruit mm. better. And mm. when the right people go in there, mm. let them change. You can only change from inside. You can't change from outside. Mm. So we need to have some critical mass to go in. And so for mm. me, if I... So you asked me a question. Uh, what is that then? Going to number three now. Come back to number two. Right. So I'm going to be running for governorship of Anambra State. And, right. and right. one of the ways right. I want to measure my success, if mm -hmm. and when I become the governor, is my right. ability to change the process for my successor. Right. If it's such that right. you still have to spend billions to become a governor in Anambra, I would have failed. Right. So I want to see how we can make it easy so that let the people who are competent, irrespective of whether you've been in politics or not in politics, important mm -hmm. thing is that what do we want? And it's very simple. You can, you know what we call job description. We can define yes. it. Okay, we want people yes. who are educated, who have yes. track record, who are emotionally mm -hmm. intelligent, who are humble, mm -hmm. who are resourceful, who are mm -hmm. caring, who are, you know, show the right empathy and yet you have the versatility to understand where the world is headed you have to understand the modernity that we live in the mm -hmm. digital economy that we're pursuing the, the things that are important to us mm -hmm. i can tell you that if we define this criteria a lot of our mm -hmm. governors and above and senators will not even be able to apply for the job okay. how much more getting mm -hmm. the job uh, I, I think um, it is important for us to um, you know, build the critical mass and lay mm -hmm. the environment so that we make it easy for people mm -hmm. to be able to keep their morality high even when they get there. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. there are a lot of other factors that also that play in between. There is need mm -hmm. for us to um, emphasize the need for morality in anything that we do. I think mm -hmm. that the church can do better than it's doing now 
Um, I think we are giving up so easily. In fact, mm -hmm. I hardly even find the church speaking up when they need to speak up. Uh, mm -hmm. We are, you know, the cowardice mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And we need to have a vibrant conversation around the changes that we expect in the polity. And I think mm -hmm. that... Um, and I think that the more we can recruit the younger ones into politics, the more we can begin to see the change that we deserve. I think the moment we can change the electoral law, a lot of things will be catalytic in terms of the change that they orchestrate. Because uh, when you have to you know, make it easy for the voice of people to be heard and for the law and order to be respected, and a lot of other things will follow. So that's where I can address that. Religion, some people will practice true religion and some people won't. And so it's our job to recruit the yes. ones that we can clearly see have a track record of moral behavior. Precisely. And also right. the, understand what accountability is. Yes, that right. People that are, that are with conscience, people that mm -hmm. are, you can see their track records. And mm -hmm. also, I think that beyond that is to see how the church will raise the voice when they need to raise the voice so mm -hmm. I, I, and it's not just the church because if it's the mm -hmm. church alone we don't have only christianity in nigeria so because we have other religion if the church does what church mm -hmm. needs to do and our muslim brothers don't do what they need to do there's still a problem so mm -hmm. how do we get it to yeah. the religious institutions to play the role together in a more complimentary one. I was saying to you that that was an unusual praise last year. Yes. And yes, so I planned to be there the year before and something, I think I, I asked for it late and obviously, you know, it's easier to get into the presidential inauguration <laughs> sometimes that to get the invitation. So this year, you know, I said to myself, you know, I, I didn't really know, I didn't, I mean, later I discovered that, oh, my friends, you know, I had a few people who, you know, and I could have talked to Adebola or ETC. But I said to people, I said, look, I'm going to show up here. There's, there's already, the job description is I must be at Unusual Praise because there was Chinyere Odoma, you know, there were, uh, there were these people, there was um, 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 uh, the Osinachi sisters. Yes. And so I said, there's nothing in heaven that, and on earth that will keep me away from this concert, this time around. And so I came in. In fact, I came late, but I was so blessed that as I was coming in Chinere, Udoma was just performing. Yeah. Even though I'd been planning to come for about three years, that was my first. And, you know, just sitting there, there, I just thought this is such a huge, first, logically a huge undertaking, but spiritually such a huge gift to, to Christians, you know, especially across, across the field. But what is more important for me, I think, is that typically those kinds of interdenominational gatherings are not usually, in my experience, uh, conveyed by the Catholic Church, so to speak. Yeah, we often expect that from, like my, one of my aunties would say, in the Pentecostal. <laughs> we usually expect that from, you know, all of those kinds of more, more, pro, for want of a better word, liberalized institutions number that's number one number two was it deliberate that this should be a melting pot of people from across denominations literally across denominations that's number two two 
And finally, um, was there any resistance from a traditionally conservative institution to say, let's do this revival? And how was that overcome? <laughs> um, these are very interesting questions, but I have, yes. to, I have to start by telling you, I think Kali Church is sometimes misunderstood. Okay. A lot of times uh, people who even claim to have been in the church and now left will tell you I was there, as though they know everything about the church. The church is not just the embodiment of everything Christianity, everything from the origin, from the very beginning. And when you think about the, what, is, what it means being a Catholic, you find it's not just about the baptism you get at your infancy or the confirmation you get when you begin to mature. But we believe in these entire seven sacraments, including, you know, getting to a level of being spiritually filled. A lot of people, including Catholics, don't even understand or know what, you know, life in the spirit seminar is all about. Because maybe they were Catholics, but they're not even a member of the charismatic renewal. When people use that word, the Pentecostal, Pentecostal yes. were the Catholics. We had the first Pentecost. So, and so when, you know, it's not a born again, we started it. And so, depend, join the bus and drop off where you want to drop. But if you want to get to the mm. stick and you follow the track. So the point mm. is, Mm. Everything you want is in the Catholic Church. Mm. And you also, within the church, have the, the liberal and conservative. Yes. And there's always that force coming together. Yes. And hopefully, yes. getting the church even better and better. Because mm. uh, for me, I believe in one principle, which, which is the culture of continuous improvement. We should always look mm. at anything and see how do we improve that. Whilst preserving the legacy, the things that are important that are core, that may be unchangeable. For instance, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the need to live a life that's centered on Christ is unchangeable. But how mm -hmm. we do that may be informed by the society and the circumstances that we find ourselves. So it was actually the Catholic Church within the Catholic Church of Divine Mercy, the, the mm -hmm. charismatic within the Cali Church mm -hmm. of Divine Mercy that right. started the unusual praise. And the whole yes. idea was to just create an atmosphere of unforgettable praise experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we live the entire year from January to November and now mm -hmm. December. Mm -hmm. We need to thank God in a special way. Let's mm -hmm. gather ourselves mm -hmm. and praise God and this is not even about asking God anything. Let's just worship Him and praise Him for all He has done already. And when mm. we have done that, we are sure of the year to come. And this was really what this was about. And so mm. we put together the unusual praise and it started mm. growing and including in richness, in content, yes. and in the spirit. Yes. Yes. And within this, we also sought to achieve a number of other objectives, including yes. how to create a revival. Uh, in fact, the central reason for 
unusual praise is evangelization. It's actually to evangelize. And you don't evangelize by telling people stay apart. You evangelize by bringing them closer. Okay. And, and that is why um, it's not just about the music. It's also about the Holy Mass. I can tell you a lot of people have come and decided to just stay with Cali Church just by attending one program. That's how I can imagine. One of the things we actually try to do, we organize uh, media press, uh, mm -hmm. usually at the mid of the year, around mm -hmm. May, June. And people who have done well at those activities are then prepared for unusual praise. So you see a lot of young ministers who start up the program before we bring the veterans who actually then, you know, get us to, you know, the place we need to yes. be in terms of yes. worship. So yes. for me, um, it's been the most fantastic experience I've had in yes. my life as a Christian. And, yes. uh, and which is why uh, no matter how busy I am, no matter mm. what else may be keeping me busy, I mm. always find time to do what I have to yes. do for unusual praise. In fact, mm. just like when we started, mm. I see it for me as my own payback to God. I said, God, I haven't had enough time for you. I haven't made enough time for you. Please, I'm giving all my time on this so that hopefully by the grace of God, you forgive me. <laughs> and and <laughs> that is working for me. And I, people, I have a lot of friends, uh, people who may be watching this. I want you to also think about this. If you feel you haven't done enough for God, please pick up something in the church and, and show great activity. And God will bless you for it. Because quite frankly, um, I think um, he always finds ways to bless those who labor for him in his vineyard. We are taking unusual praise beyond Lagos. We actually scheduled to have unusual praise for the first time as a Lagos in Anambra State, uh, my beautiful state. Yes, we actually planned a massive unusual praise in Onisha at the uh, Basilica, Calica uh, right. in Onisha. Right. And right. this was going to be the entire Anambra State, meaning right. the bishops of, and uh, the Archbishop of Onisha, the Bishop of Neodasis, and Bishop of Okadasis agreed mm -hmm. that we do this. And we put a date a week after the Easter. And oh, the preparation started, and then COVID struck. COVID stepped Obviously, in. Uh, but on that day, we still did something magical. We still gathered a few of the gospel ministers, including your dear, our dear Chinyar Doma. And we got them to do a mini unusual praise online. But we still plan to bring unusual praise alive in Anambra yes. State. And the intention is not to stop at Anambra State. We're taking it around the country, essentially. Yes, we, we intend to. And um, yes. hopefully, again, before, if um, COVID would allow us to gather, uh, by the grace mm -hmm. of God, I, I mean, things are opening up now. But we yes. kind of fear that, I yes. mean, you can't do an injured president show without expecting at least 50,000 people on ground. Yes. And that's yes. a massive yes. number of people. And given yes. the whole physical distancing thing, um, yes, we may likely be looking at towards the end of the year. So we yeah, don't have yes, a new date. Yes. We, 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 we want to take things one, one step at a, at a time. Okay. Because that question was going to come. You know, um, that question, I was going to ask the question of, you know, this year, because I was joking with a friend. I'm not sure it's a joke, but 
I can't say it's a joke, but you know, we, because of the events in America, we've had a massive demonstration of what happens when crowds, thousands of people gather. Yeah. Because people have come out into the streets to gather for a good cause, and we've not seen spikes, you know, in 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 in, you know, public health alarm raised. So, it looks like as we begin to test and try and see what is going on by November, the people should be able to gather again. I want to talk about the unusual entrepreneurs because that was something that was amazing. But before that, a quick question: Last year, <laughs> your friends were all over the place. <laughs> You know, I think I saw um, former Governor Peter Obi, um, yes. um, Governor Rotimi Amechi, I think. Yes. I'm not sure whether I saw Professor Patu turning, um, but I know that I know for sure I saw Governor Obi and Governor Amechi. But that wasn't even the thing. The thing was the kaleidoscope of MDs that were there. You know, it looked like the bankers, the meeting, annual meeting of the bankers committee. Yeah. You know, <laughs> every and they were on stage, there was a high commitment to this mission. Again, unusual because often I, I two, in fact, two things there was that, and there was a corporate identification with the concept. Now, usually, corporate leaders are frightened of religion, frightened. They're like, look, if I'm even coming, do not associate me as the MD of so so and so. Just let me come and go out. But there was an enthusiastic involvement in this clearly religious affair. How did you manage to accomplish <laughs> such a miracle? <laughs> so how did you manage to convince those kind of people to come together and to identify so openly in unusual place last year? You're very right. Once you take any letter to any corporate you know, body, and request for sponsorship, they will tell you, oh, I'm sorry, we don't sponsor Do re religious activities. Yes. And so I said to them, okay, let's put religion aside. Unusual entrepreneur is about mm. entrepreneurship, is mm. about empowerment. And mm. so it's actually where spirituality meets with economic empowerment. And nothing can be better mm. than that. So imagine... Mm a church where you're not central about how much tithes and offering that people pay, but rather how you are giving back to people, but, how you yes. are empowering people. Yes. And you're not just talking about, you know, the money that you provide. It's also the mm -hmm. mentorship that you bring. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very simple. In the same church, you're going to see preponderance of people who are doing so well and people mm. who are doing so badly, why don't you mm. put a platform where both can you know, commingle and just a simple advice from this guy who's doing so well to this other mm. guy can change mm. lives and create magic. Yes. Yes. And so when they understand the importance of this and understand yes. that um, a lot of the banks, they have the SMEs and these are the SMEs. These are the people that you want to open an account with you. These are the people you want to identify with you. And so... They're all gathered in one place in their numbers. Here. And we're going to project you. And this yes. is showing up live on DSTV. And, yes. And it's going to show, you know, in multiple ways. It's not just that same night. Over and over and over. And yes, over. They were, I, I watched at least two repeats. Yes. yes. So when we preach this, and, and I said to them, my brother, you know, I'm one of you. So even if you say no to it, you can't say no to me. And I'm not Good. living here. 
without an answer. Until you get a yes. Until so. Um, and I have to also thank our leader, uh, Mosaino Pascal Mwezapo. He's been the inspiration behind all of this. He simply calls on us and we answer the call and, you know, basically do what we need to do. And, the, and the, there's also a whole lot of team that are behind this. So it's not a one-man affair. It's not a Valentine affair. It's actually a teamwork. And yes. this year, for instance, we have uh, George Ago, who is chairing the unusual praise. But we all come yeah. together to support him. And because it is such a wonderful thing. Mm. It's just when you look at some of these church members and mm. our beneficiaries cuts across all denominations, it's not only Catholics, mm -hmm. uh, all, all denominations. So we don't, mm -hmm. you know, there's no bias here. So mm. the idea is looking at the face of these guys, watching mm. them in total happiness and joy, telling their story, how within the church, they are deriving their independence, their economic independence, their upliftment. And it means that no matter what happens, they're glued to that church. You're giving people more reason to believe. So, so for me, there's nothing better than this. And, and which is why, again, when we started Unusual Praise in, in Anambra, we also Unusual Entrepreneur. And within a week of putting out the advert, we had, you know, thousands of applications that, that came in. From 2018, when I chaired Unusual Praise, so mm -hmm. uh, we started the Unusual Entrepreneur. And since then, I've also been responsible for shepherding this. And mm -hmm. I'm very grateful to God for the sponsors that we've had. Uh, last year, we had uh, EcoBank in massive form who supported us, mm -hmm. and we were able to provide up to 40 million to about 52 beneficiaries. Yes, yes and that was We want to keep doing this more and more and more and more. So I, I can be thankful, uh, you know, less thankful to God for all of this. You know, one of the reasons why I decided to do this was it's often very difficult. I wanted to do this with this written religion series, but because because, you know, um, um, because of the nature of my work, I, was, I, was cons I wanted to have somebody who would talk from the corporate perspective and from the public service perspective. But I didn't want to bring, I, I was careful about reputation. When you bring somebody and they think that, oh, you are trying to sell this or sell that. So in getting you on, I achieved all three at once. From your vantage position at the top of these three sectors that are so crucial to any society, but especially Nigerian society. Do you honestly see hope for this Nigerian enterprise? Nigeria as a nation, Nigeria's growth, Nigeria's success, Nigeria being able to turn the bend. In my book, my 2014 book, I will be turning point generation. I actually wrote, I remember somebody, a client put me in the penthouse, no, in one of the top floors of the, of the Hilton in Abuja. And I looked in, and I thought, okay, this is how it must have been when the devil told Jesus Christ, look at the whole world, I've given it to you. Because I said, from here, <laughs> from here, I, I think it was 2014, I was what? I was, um, I was six. I just felt, oh my God, this is the good life. And so I wrote, I said, it is difficult to see Nigeria's problems from the top floor of the transport. <laughs> <laughs> at the time. And so literally... <laughs> I wrote this in the book. I wrote the turning point generation. Yes, my second book. I like, I like to see that in the book. I, <laughs> I wrote it in that. Okay. I will ensure you see a copy. I will yeah. ensure you get a copy and I'll show you that page. 
And so literally, when I say you've been at the top, even literally, of the three of the most important sectors in Nigeria, from that vantage position, do you actually truly see hope for this enterprise? Um, actually, the, the answer is yes. But um, mm. I use that word, cautious hope. It's not mm. an absolute hope. Mm. And, um, and this is very important because we're talking about our life here. We're talking about, mm. you know, for me, I will turn 50 this year. And right. one of the biggest regrets I'll have in life is to see mm. Nigeria remain as it is uh, when mm. I'm gone or by the time mm. I'm ready to go. So yeah. whatever, for me personally, I will commit mm. to seeing what changes can be brought about. I will gladly do so, so that I can tell a better story. And I don't leave Nigeria like this to my children and my children's children. Right. right. And, um, but I trust the, re the resilience of the enterprise called Nigeria. I'm, my biggest fear is the fact that we are not eager to embrace positive change. Yeah. You know, we are in a competitive world. Nobody's waiting for us. Mm. People are speeding up and we want to remain where we've always been. Yeah. If you go back to the, what are the key issues? What are the issues impeding the competitiveness of Nigeria? Mm -hmm. You go back to the question of leadership because that's essential. We need to get our leadership right. And it's not just at the presidential level, across board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need to also begin to fix critical infrastructure we require. Uh, power and things that will make Nigeria more competitive so that whatever you are producing here must be better in quality and in price than what is coming from out there. That competitiveness is so crucial. Mm -hmm. But we also need to make sure we create an enabling environment for private mm. sector to thrive. Because mm. guess what? The changes we expect can be done by government. How many yes. people does yes. government employ? How many? Yes. So the reality um, is it is actually the private sector. But we need a government that understands the need to, you know, it, when people use that word, creating an enabling environment, that's... Mm not showing the great understanding of it. Government okay. should be, you know how you toast a, a woman you want to marry? Mm. That's how government should be toasting the private sector. Mm. Uh, because you know that you don't have solution. Mm. They have the solution. Mm. So you need them to thrive and survive. But sometimes there's a complete disconnect. There's not yes. even any integration. There's not, yes. if you go through the whole planning process, if you yes. go back to how who is planning for Nigeria, if you go to National Planning Commission, there's yes. no interaction with private sector. And right. when they do that, it's forceful and there's no, mm -hmm. it's not organic and there's no, it's not seamless. And mm. I think there's a whole lot we have to do to get it right. But even more importantly, the people that give me the greatest hope are the mm. younger ones. When I think about what they've done, especially in the entertainment space, Mm, God, mm, they didn't need mm. government to rise in their musical, in their you know, uh, acting, in their entertainment. Mm. 
in their mm -hmm. uh, fashion, they're moving mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Imagine mm -hmm. what, what they will become when government then does the right things. Mm -hmm. When we talk about restructuring Nigeria, some people misunderstand it. Right. And I use the word restructuring actually should be a yearly affair, not a right. once-in-a-lifetime affair. The way you run private sector is even when yes. you're succeeding, even when yes, you're succeeding, you keep updating strategy. Yeah, yes. Even when you're succeeding, you are yes. checking to see how you will improve. How much more yes. when you're failing and you're sticking to your failure? Yes. So for me, yes. even when I mean I have this Samsung, mm -hmm. people before I just updated the, the uh, software. And right. because when you have new updates, you update mm -hmm. and that's what we need to do to Nigerian economy. So mm -hmm. the dynamism to be able to create that regular and periodic update mm -hmm. that will show that this is where Nigeria should be headed. This is mm -hmm. how far we've come. We need to tweak yeah. it this way to, for, for us to get there. Fantastic. I think Instagram is going to sign us out soon, but thank you so much for joining this. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. See you again tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Yeah.